your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So returning to this question of whether Britain should stay or leave the European Union, uh, we look now at one of the issues that has underpinned debates on both sides, that is the economic factor. And a lot of fear-mongering has actually been associated with this too. Uh, you know, you either step into the unknown by leaving the EU or by remaining, you stay with the doldrums of the EU economy as it has been in recent years. Robert Kahn is a senior fellow for in International Economics and the Council on Foreign Relations and joins us to discuss this in more detail. Good morning to you from Seoul. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and very difficult to summarize this succinctly, but there are many who have been pointing out the virtues of staying in the European Union precisely for economic reasons. From your perspective on the outside, I know you're based in the United States, do you have a, a strong opinion one way or the other? I do. I'm with the group of economists that do feel that the UK economy will lose significantly in the near term if it, if it leaves the EU. Um, many of the studies suggest 2 to 5% of its output over the next few years. There's really uh, three reasons for that. One is trade would be more difficult, at least for a while. Uh, second, there'd be tremendous uncertainty in the near term, and investment would be affected by that. Confidence would be hurt, and that would mean lower demand in the UK and, and certainly in the rest of Europe as well. Now, in the long term, what kind of an economy does Britain become? That's a tough political question, and we really are stepping into the unknown there. But I think if you really look at the narrow economic arguments, there's a pretty compelling case that Britain would pay a high cost uh, for leaving the European Union at this time. There, there are those, though, who present counter-studies or pick apart the, the, the forecasts of uh, what would happen if, if Britain leave, uh, who, who suggest that Britain could negotiate better trade deals alone than with the European Union, that Britain could um, stand on its own two feet, that it's different to other European nations. What, what would you say to those broad arguments? Yeah, I'm skeptical. It is a political argument, more than an economic argument, and I think there's two really comp difficult pieces to that. One is what happens after Brexit, and I think as you, you mentioned in your, in your introduction, it would start a process. Uh, it's really a two- to five-year process by which Britain has to negotiate um, not just new trade and investment arrangements with Europe, but with the rest of the world. So, for example, the EU-Korean free trade agreement of a few years ago would no longer apply to Britain after it left. It would need to negotiate new arrangements. Right. And so part of the argument of the uh, advocates of leaving is to say we can, we can negotiate a whole new set of agreements that are at least as good as what Europe has, and maybe even better. Sitting in the United States, it's, I'm pretty skeptical of that, because any new agreement, and certainly there'd be a willingness by our president, whoever that is, I think, to negotiate a new agreement with Britain, would then have to pass our Congress, and that would be very difficult. Uh, and so politics here, as well as in the U.K., could could present a lot of risk to that. 
And then the second part of this exit argument is an argument that Europe is a burden on, your, on the United Kingdom, uh, excessive regulation, r- rules that aren't reflective of British culture and society are weighing the country down. And so you'll unleash this kind of new vigor to the economy. It will become a Singapore. It will become a, you know, a kind of independent island economy, free and dynamic in a way that hasn't uh, been so in the past. I- I'm skeptical of that. It would really require a, a radical political change in Britain. Uh, but that really is what you have to believe in, I think, if you're going to if you're going to uh, believe the Brexit economic argument. Yeah, it's not just about. Um having faith in the possibility of of, of a better Britain, uh, but it's also having faith in a domestic government to bring that about, if it was possible. Exactly. But but the world... The world does care. Uh, Fed Chairwoman uh, Janet Yellen said last Wednesday that the British vote was a factor behind that US decision to leave short-term interest rates unchanged this month. Would any country be untouched by this Brexit if it happened? I don't think so. I think we would all be affected, although, let's be honest, this is uh, an event we have not experienced before. So we're all a bit, uh, you know, uh, on uncharted waters. Uh, Cynics might say, remember Y2K and how much we worried about that. In the end, it was non-event. But I think because of the central role of Britain in the financial system, I think because of uh, the, the kinds of uncertainties it would create, and, and simply because the global economy is weak, something Janet Yellen has been emphasizing, the, the cascading effects of this could be quite broadly felt. Uh, it certainly could lead, I think, for the emerging markets like Korea uh, to see capital outflowing out of, of their countries for a while, going to safe havens. Uh, that's something I'm worrying about quite a bit. Uh, even in countries like the U.S., we're worried about significant capital outflows and market volatility. We've seen a lot of stock market volatility in recent weeks as Brexit has become more uh, of a possibility for investors. And so, you know, I, I think we—I I don't think any country should really assume that they can be insulated from this. Europe has been struggling in recent years, no doubt about it. Um, is, is it? In a general period of decline, do you think, or if Britain stays, do you think there's a there's a way of of reinvigorating this block and actually, you know, growing again, having having a period of optimism? It, it's the big question, I think. I've been quite a critic of the way in which the European Union has managed its policies. It has been, in a sense, in this middle ground, not a complete economic and financial union, uh, not a set of independent countries, and I think that that has. Uh, been a negative for growth. It has handicapped them as they've tried to respond to crises in places like Greece or in dealing with the immigration challenge. So this kind of a halfway house, I think, is not viable for the long term. And so they do need to move towards greater integration if they're going to provide an environment in which countries can grow better than 1%, which is what they're growing now. Mm. And certainly that may sound funny to people who argue for exit or saying, you know, Europe doesn't work, therefore we need out to say you need more Europe. But I think where they are now, I think even the advocates of Europe would, would agree, uh, is not going to be a successful long-term strategy for growth and prosperity in the region. Mr. Khan, thank you very much for offering your insight into this. Thank you for having me on.
pleasure. Robert Kahn from the Council on Foreign Relations based in the United States and taking the view that he would be in favour of Britain staying in the European Union and not only staying but actually being part of a, of a more integrated Europe. And certainly that would save the hassle of having to renegotiate a free trade deal with South Korea. We are in the coming is going to be looking more specifically at the economic impact on Korea, stay or leave, because we have seen the markets uh, very jittery in the last few days, only really calming down towards the end of last week for all the wrong reasons following the death of MP Joe Cox as campaigning uh, ceased temporarily. Stay with us. We'll continue here on This Morning in just a few moments.